0: Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, and I've got a special guest with me today, Jason Brannon from the Cincinnati Adventurers Guild. Jason, what is the Cincinnati Adventurers Guild? It's kind
1: of a grouping of friends and mutually allied people that play games together. And it is an open group
0: based off of uh, meetup.com. Now you do a lot of public games and things like that, correct? Yes,
1: all of our games are held in public. If you're coming to a meetup, there's already a pressure of, I don't know anyone. To add to that of walking up to a stranger's home and coming inside their house just adds a little bit. So we strongly do a lot of public games. And we also want to support our local gaming stores. So a lot of our games are in stores with play space.
0: I'll be honest. Our game group doesn't do much public. It's very much been in like people's kitchens and in basements. That's how I've played for over 30 years now. So I have done a, I, I did run a campaign in a game store. It wasn't as much of an open game, but it wasn't a public space. So that's not a thing I have a lot of experience with. I'm curious to see how some of that goes and works and how some of that's organized. I know there's a lot of people out there that ask, how do I get involved in playing? How can I start a game? How can I get into games? You're kind of the perfect person to talk to for someone who's looking to get into playing D&D and other role-playing games.
1: Yes. First of all, I love new players. I think they are the best. They come in with a fresh perspective and they do things that you don't expect that are fantastic. The meetup is our primary way of contacting people and where we like to funnel people because that's where our events are and events are the core of the group. We have a lot of intercommunication at the organizational level, but our foundation is we run events. So, if you want to learn to play Dungeons and Dragons or Amazing, uh, Astonishing Swords and Sorcerers of Hyperborea or Mothership, and we're running that, come out and play. You don't need to have any experience whatsoever. And in fact, one of the things about the Guild is let's get things off your shelf and onto your table. And that means that our people who have all these games have never run them come out for the first time with you and try to run them without knowing how to run them yet. So (laughs) we're all learning
0: together. I like rules like games (laughs) because it's easier to pick up and run new for the first time. I'm a fan of that. Now I'm assuming, I know that with us like putting together a game group and making sure people uh, get along socially and stuff has always been a big a big thing for me. I know that you have ways that you approach certain things that may come up in games. And I was curious to learn a little bit more about some of those things that you have going on, some of those safety tools and stuff like that that may be used when running games. Could you perhaps give us a a better idea of what you're doing there? Absolutely. We have learned over the
1: last eight or nine years that anybody can show up to a game. And we, don't necess- and we do not have control over who they are and what their background is. Now that doesn't mean we get a lot of people that are inappropriate, but you never know someone's background. So what we use are safety tools that are called the X card, the O card, and lines and veils. Um, and then there's positive reinforcement we can use called
0: dreams and wishes. Oh, I'm not familiar with some of those. I, I am familiar with the X card concept. So could you could you uh, expand on some of those and explain them to me? Because I, I, I'd I'm really like to learn a little bit more about some of this. <laughs> Do you, would you like me to recap the X card to go into yeah. the O card? I think okay. that we should, uh, just in case listeners don't know what the X card is, because maybe not everybody's heard of it. The X card is a safety tool. It's basically a uh, an index card with a black X on it.
1: And you either put it in the middle of the table or everyone has one in front of them. If anybody is uncomfortable and not having fun at the table because of what's going on in the game, you can reach out and touch the X card. Immediately play pivots. And we go away from whatever we were doing. There is not a discussion. There is not an explanation. Someone is uncomfortable enough that they have to reach out and touch the X card. Um, The O card is kind of the opposite of the X card. Reaching out and touching the O card means you're pushing my boundaries, but I want to see where this goes. So it's kind of a positive reinforcement tool, or you can go, we're close to something. So just be careful. And you never know what someone's background is going to be. I'm going to say that because I'm going to give examples.
0: Yes, please. Um, do. And I'm
1: going to give examples talking about our next thing, uh, lines and veils. A line is something that your game will not cross into. For example, very common lines, bigotry, slavery, sexual assault, anything having to do with that. We put a line and say that is not something we want in our games. But there are things where things come up, uh, for example, a romantic scene or interrogation of a prisoner. And that would be a veil. It's kind of a screen wipe where you just go, we're going to draw a veil over that portion and go to the aftermath where you wake up sweaty <laughs> and flushed or,
0: you know, you come out of the <laughs> chamber wiping your hands off and you go to the next thing. I think I do veils all the time without having a name for it. I was like, okay, we know I happened. moving along. <laughs> I've done that quite a few times in game.
1: <laughs> to give you an example, I have an acquaintance friend who is a dog person. She is absolutely a dog person. Her dog died and she was upset. And a few weeks later, she is playing in a role-playing game, a Dungeons and Dragons game, as a ranger with a beast companion. And then her beast companion got in jeopardy in trouble, had their life threatened. At that point, she reached out and touched the X card. Mm -hmm. That is not something you would necessarily cover in an average game that you would think come up, but it's something that made her uncomfortable and made the game not fun. So that's where the X card comes in. With lines and veils, there can be things that are not uh, necessarily I hate using the word triggering, but that are not necessarily upsetting to everyone if you think about it. Yes. Uh, For example, um, I gave slavery and bigotry and sexual assault. Someone came back to me and said animal cruelty, no violence against animals. Another one that has come up, no spiders. So in our game, we will not have any spiders. We will not have any honeybees. Whatever that thing is, we put it out there and say none of this. That's really the best safety tool advice I have. Other than if you're gaming, especially frequently with people you do not know, use them because you don't know who you're gaming with.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. I've, I mean, I'll be honest. We haven't really used a lot of those in our game group. We often know our gamers perhaps it's a discussion we should have but yeah i'm definitely for a public game uh, i think those are amazing tools i would want to use those if i was running a public game with a bunch of folks that i did not know and i know sometimes like some people may be like oh but i'm trying to run a horror game at the same time you can still put out there okay this is horror it has these elements i've seen people doing that as well that includes certain forms of this adventure is a body horror game it includes these elements you might not want to join in a body horror type thing if that's not what you're into. I say body horror, but I'm not 100% sure I know the definition of what body horror is. It was something I I saw as an example.
1: I have run body horror things before. For example, uh, a Cthulhu game where someone's skin had been stripped off to the point where it was desiccated and oozing pus. So that sort of vivid description of bodily parts and uh, somebody's being hurt in a unique way, that's definitely body horror. And you know, going into graphic descriptions of that for horror games to make people feel that fear and that uncomfortableness is part of that. But when you cross over into, I'm actually unhappy with the way you're describing this. This makes me uncomfortable. I am not having fun right now. I am, I am like cringing in my chair. That's where these
0: things come around with like body work. Yeah, that would be a useful tool to have. I believe a lot of people, I'm going to change gears on us here and talk about some other stuff. <laughs> Cause a lot of people out there are asking how they can get involved in games, how they can start their own games. They have a hard time finding other players They may not be here in this area, Cincinnati, where the Cincinnati Adventures Guild is. I'm curious if you have any kind of suggestions on organizing something similar to what you have going on, what you've found useful in in getting players out and things like that.
1: I will talk about what we do. Something that we've come up with is if somebody else wants to do what we're doing, We don't want to come in and take over the organization and necessarily expand ourselves. What we can do is tell you what we've done in the past, what we're doing in the present, and why we're doing it this way now and how it's working for us. So um, I'm gonna speak about things we've done more than I'm gonna speak about like general advice. General advice, Meetup.com is excellent because it's all focused around events. Facebook groups having to deal with role-playing, regional areas, Dungeons & Dragons, all very popular. National or international groups that focus on a genre of a game may lead you into local people. For example, Powered by the Apocalypse, OSR, First Edition AD&D. Any of these may lead you into somebody. Your local gaming store is another one, if you have one. Get in there and put up a little flyer and say, I'm looking for a game or tell the owner or the manager, I'm looking for a game. Do you know anybody? A lot of this is word of mouth. It is an organic thing passed from person to person. My experience growing up is fourth grade in 1983, I was exposed to Dungeons and Dragons by a friend at a sleepover. And that's the sort of thing that happens. You've got to kind of know somebody to know somebody who knows somebody. And then you kind of put this thing together. Have you found that's kind of your experience, Logar?
0: Most of my gaming, when I got into it, was with my friends that I knew. And we kind of simultaneously were getting into the thing and and teaching each other. When I got a little bit older and then when the 90s came around, especially the mid-90s, I started, you mentioned the, the putting something up at a game store. So there were a few games, game and hobby stores around here. There was one I used to go to. It was just a hobby store that sold game books, Fairfield Hobby up the street. and That's probably the one place I went to the most that I responded to ads that people would just put up the old Xerox picture with a phone number and a name at the bottom you'd pull off. I can't tell you there's quite a few game groups and people that I met by pulling those off and joining in a game. I just, I got to play a ton of games that I had, wasn't going to run. I could only have the main book and my other friends weren't going to probably run, but I managed to meet a lot of people. I had a lot of games going on in the night. I was probably paying there were times where I was literally playing seven days a week as a teenager. It was bad. I was addicted to role-playing games and any game that came out, I wanted to play and I had to have it. <laughs> well,
1: the most effective i found is word of mouth and social media, a discord server for the local game stores. An excellent resource. They usually have a channel devoted to D and D or to RPGs Or maybe even more specifically to a certain style of RPG like OSR or Powered by the Apocalypse. Or for example, you may have somebody, a store that's really metal. And so they have a whole channel dedicated to metal games, which I know I've heard, I've played a couple, um, and I know there's others out there.
0: I know for me, when I've been forming my game groups, the majority of people that get invited to our games are people that I've known socially. So it kind of helps to be out there social for me when I organize games. And a lot of times I'm meeting people sometimes, perhaps places others don't, because I've been involved with organizations like the IWW and stuff like that. And I found that a lot of these types of organizations... There's a lot of nerds that play Dungeons and Dragons or get into those kinds of things. And a lot of the people I invite to play are first time players, they just have similar interests. It's something that's piqued their interest. And they said, Oh, I would be interested in getting into that. And we've had a conversation about it and I'll send quite a few invites and and say, Hey, we're going to start a new game. Would you be interested in playing? And usually when I start a new game, we get a couple at least one or two new players in that game quite often. So I'm not always starting groups with somebody that is a longtime player or has played. A lot of the groups that we get going are new players. And a lot of those, I've definitely had a lot of players become longtime players because they've been given that chance, been invited to join in a game.
1: Absolutely. One of the other things the guild does is we want to hook up gms who are looking for players and players who are looking for gms and so we use our social media to advertise games that are coming up i have a game in the north side of the city we're going to play on tuesdays um it's going to be this level characters and it's going to be this system you know they send they put that on a local board we put it out and put it on all the local boards Everything we know, all the contacts we've made, you know, all the people that are involved in our meetup, go ahead and get that notification. So your chance to gain somebody is much greater once you've reached out to us. The other portion of that is you've talked about meeting people socially. Something that we strongly encourage is what everybody wants out of this hobby is to make new friends. So we encourage people to go out socially after gaming. So it's very common to hit an IHOP at 1 a.m. in the morning or to go to Waffle House at 3 a.m. after gaming for six or seven hours together. And if you're strangers, it's a chance to get to know each other outside of the game. And it's also a chance to get a read on people and find out if there's somebody you want to spend more time with or find out that this person's, probably not going to fit in well with our group and i don't okay fine well thank you for coming thank you
0: for coming (laughs) i know that one thing that we've talked about and i've said many times is that the folks that end up in my gaming groups i tend to i spend a lot of time with them because i I game a lot (laughs) i play i play role-playing games often and They become some of the people I'm closest to just by, because I'm seeing them more than a lot of other folks outside of people you work with. And sometimes more than your family, you're seeing your game groups, you're playing regularly, similar to like how folks go to church regularly and they constantly interact with those people. A game group can become somewhat like that where you are used to seeing this person on a regular basis. Our game group is really into potlucks before COVID one of our big things is organizing a potluck for game and and planning what we're going to eat. Sometimes we'd order out or something like that, but a lot of times we do a lot of potlucks and everybody bring this or that. So food's been a big part of our games and definitely going out after game. Or I know that one, a few times they have this place up here called the cone in Westchester. And and one of the, one of the folks light, who's the co-host here lives pretty close to the cone so I know during game, we've just up and taken off to go get ice cream together. Like, let's get ice cream, take a break, go get ice cream and come back and play. So we ended end up at the ice cream place, hanging out and messing around and having a good time on a warm summer day. It's just nice. It's fun. It's good stuff.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: The social element of role-playing games to me is an important element. And I've often said, you know, Outside of the organizations that I've been involved in, most of my social, the biggest part of my social life has been role playing games and the people I know from role playing games.
1: Well, pretty much the only people I know are (laughs) from gaming. Uh, To give a little bit of personal history, I took 10 years off of gaming to raise my daughter as a single father. Once she left home and I got a little bit of empty nest, I got out and started gaming again. I had lived in Cincinnati for 13 years, 14 years. I'd not met anyone here that I could consider a friend, not through work, not through common interests, which was like computer games, but nobody I was really close to. Since I've gotten involved in gaming in 2013, I met so many people. I know so many people I have made good friends for the first time since high school (laughs) where you, you know, where you really have those friends or in college where you're spending 12 hours gaming on a Saturday, you know, this is the first time I've had that bond with people again in a long, long time.
0: Yeah. I I will tell you now, as I was, I I was a single father raising two teenagers and, Oh, they're teenagers now, um, but when they were younger, it was harder for me to game more regularly. And a lot of the folks that I knew were also parents, and it was hard for them to come out. So we'd get a, a few games in a year if we were lucky at times. But it was hard gaming when they were younger. As they got older, it was easier. It was progressively more easy to keep a regular game. We've kept a I've kept a regular game group for at least a decade or so now. And that's been good. But before that, it was hard to get people to play regularly just because of that logistics of it's me and the kids. (laughs) And I got to, you know, when they're so young, they need a lot of attention. As many public games as I do, I'm in three games a week, two of which
1: are private. I'm the newcomer at nine years in one gaming group because they've been together nearly 40 years gaming together. Can I ask what y'all are playing? Everything. <laughs> I mean, currently we're playing Star Wars D6. We just got oh, done with a, uh, we just Ganger. got done with Crowlers and paragons as a break from Star Wars D6.
0: Oh, Leonard Leonard is lot. uh Leonard comes on here. Leonard's plays in our uh, our astonishing swordsman and sorcerers of hyperborea game on Wednesday night. He's he's an awesome fella. He'll probably be on here in the very near future, I'm hoping again too.
1: So <laughs> fate core. D&D 5th edition, D&D previous editions, Cyberpunk, Powered by the Apocalypse games like Monster of the Week. I've done some game designing and we did a a run through of the fourth iteration of my game. You know, and we the Fate Core system lends itself to multi-genre games. So we played it in like a fantasy city setting. We played it in a rough jungle kind of gamma world area we've used it to play superheroes uh along the lines of mystery men <laughs> so it, it, we've played uh you know we played uh star drive using uh modern d20 and future d20 oh i so, want to
0: run a, i want to run a star drive alternative campaign so bad <laughs> i got so much of those books oh my, there Guess <laughs> what i'm starting this quarter Guess Is- what I'm starting this quarter? Stars oh. without number. Oh, there we go. Drive. That's uh, cool. I'm doing guess- a couple
1: of one shots to get familiar with the system and to see if I want to tweak it any. And then I'm ready to start a
0: story arc. I, I just backed really- that 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 uh, Kickstarter they had. So I'm really looking forward to that, that print of that book coming in that stars without number. Um, hopefully it's here sooner than later. I've not really had a chance to go through it. But I, I'm, I'm excited. I've heard some great stuff about it. I'm excited. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> For all of you, right. those of you that can't see, but can only only hear, he's holding up the Stars Without Number uh, book right now. But yeah, that the, the, the offset print, the one that they just put out, I backed that on Kickstarter. I hadn't picked it up on print-on-demand, and then by the time they put that out, it was too late to pick it up. So I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm going to back it and get it didn't have enough to get both the worlds without number and the stars without numbers like eh, i can't spend that much now but i'm going to at least back the yeah. stars without number i've got so many editions of the fantasy role playing game i buy a lot of retro clones too sometimes it's like i oh, do i need another edition of the fantasy role playing i got introduced about the
1: same time as the guild was founded into independent role playing games So in addition to being, because it was 2013, OSR was pretty much at its, uh, one of the, one of the strong points. So I got involved in Beyond the Wall, Hyperborea, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, but I also got exposed to Fiasco, Microscope, Dread, Ten Candles, Our Last Hope, First Contact, Hollow Point. I mean, I can keep going on and on with those <laughs> independent games that I picked up and have the chance to get to the table at least once, just because of having the opportunity to put it on the table once and finding people to play with. And I have acquaintances who are also into indie games. So anytime we put out an indie game, they're like, I want to play it. <laughs> and I have people that are loyal to me as a game master that it's like i want to play in jason's game no matter what he's running yeah you know i've got some of that that personal uh loyalty where i've built up some some credibility
0: yeah that 10 candles was just brought up um by a longtime gamer buddy of mine one of my buddies i played with since the since uh since sometime in the nineties, the group that I played with originally was in a completely different, because I moved as a teenager in the early, early nineties when I was in high school. So the original group I started with was not the group I continue to play with or interact with as much these days. But there's a few folks that I played with back then that I still keep in contact with. And he actually just brought up that 10 candles. And I think me and him, we're going to try to get a game of that going here hopefully in the next couple months run at least a one shot and kind of do a review of it. I had not heard of 10 candles. So he just brought it up. (laughs) So that's new to me. I'm excited. 10 candles
1: falls into that dread category. It's a role-playing game that doesn't necessarily use dice. And I have a whole little kit for 10 candles that includes a bag of votive candles, an urn to burn things in the middle of the table. Oh, fun. A lighter. You know, little glass vases so that the uh, votive candles don't accidentally blow out. (laughs) You know, scissors to cut the character sheets into force so you can use them the way they're supposed to be used. But it's all in this box that I have to take when I want to run
0: 10 candles. Now, if if the listeners have not heard of 10 candles, I think what I understand, the game is very focused on, like, you do it in the dark. You light candles and stuff like that. It's about setting the mood. Go you want to explain it it is a game of what they call
1: tragic horror because you are guaranteed to die by the end there is no continuation of your character you start out with 10 candles lit when all the candles are out the game is over the darkness has overtaken the world and that's the end of your characters right there. But, and if a candle goes out for any reason, it stays out. So if you have a wind or if you somebody who accidentally knocks something over and puts it out, it's out. The oh, effect no. is you're sitting in darkness. Uh, as you're playing, you have character traits and when you use them for mechanical effects, you burn them. You literally set them on fire and bask in that slow light before it dies away from you and they recommend as a staging tool everybody go around and do a voice recording at the very beginning of the of the session of what's going on with their character the last candle goes out you replay that voice recording of all the people that were did not survive (laughs) and these were their last thoughts
0: that's great. It that sounds like, well, I'm excited to play that. It'll be fun. I think we've got a place picked out that we're going to be playing to that will really work well with, but that's, we're coming up on time. We're about, we're about reached it. It's been about 30 minutes. We're trying for the 30 minute episode here. I want to thank you for coming on. I'd like to ask you to tell folks where they can find you online, how they can get a hold of the Cincinnati adventures guild, especially if they're in the, the Southern Ohio Valley area, how they can find you and get involved in a game or so.
1: On meetup.com, search Cincinnati Adventurers Guild. On Facebook, search Cincinnati Adventurers Guild. There's no abbreviations. I will give out my email address because I am the lead organizer, storyteller at fusefuse.net. You email me, I will get back to you. You know, if you're in any of the local groups feel free to reach out to me. I'm an administrator of several gaming shops, or excuse me, at least one gaming shops meetup. And I'm an an admin in another gaming shops, Facebook page. And I'm in other organizations like people that are into miniatures and I'm part of their organizations and I'm kind of their role-playing contact, whereas they are my miniature gaming contact. So, there's no like direct way to get a hold of us. But if you search, you can find us.
0: And, you, and if you're looking for a game in the Cincinnati area, or the Southern Ohio Valley area, you can find one at the Cincinnati Adventurers Guild. I want to thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive re- review wherever you're listening. And those of you that have given us positive reviews, I want to thank you so much. It's so helpful. You can find us just search on Facebook Wobbly and Wobblies and Wizards getting tongue tied there. We're pretty, we're pretty active there. Wobblies is our blog. You can find me on Twitter at Logar crom and keep those dice rolling.